We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Brian Marceau is yet again picking family over football, so today I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by producer-seducer Martin Heemstra, joining in as the second co-host today. Martin, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to finally have a Vandal win on the the first of hopefully many Vandal wins on the season. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just jump right into it. This is Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expedition, but we'll tell you a little bit more about them later on in the show. We buried the lead on you guys. Head coach Jason Eck got his very first victory as Idaho walloped the Drake Bulldogs 42-14. to Drake being a Pioneer League school, this is a you know, sort of a pay game for them, but they come in and they, hey, they count as a win for Idaho. So six more wins and Idaho is going to the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, but this game started off a little tougher. Idaho ended up actually trailing 14-7 to early in the second quarter. Then uh, offense started to click a little bit. Roshan Johnson punched in a four-yard touchdown that put Idaho up for good 17-14 to with uh, three minutes and 31 seconds left in the first half. Uh, Ricardo Chavez went four for four on field goals today, so special teams, huge, uh, huge today. Buried the lead on that one as well. Jermaine Jackson had a 79-yard punt return for a touchdown that was absolutely the kill shot in this game. Idaho ended up scoring 35 unanswered points, shut the Bulldogs out in the second half, put up 462 yards of total offense while holding Drake to 210. Idaho, other than struggling a little bit in the first quarter and and Drake actually coming out firing on all cylinders, Idaho dominated this game for 65 to 70% of the time. So, uh, Martin, first question I have for you, what went well today for the Vandals? I think, I think, oh God, I... I think the defense making adjustments instead of having that fourth court, having that second half collapse, it was the reverse that actually happened to where it was. They were kind of letting Drake key stay into it and make the big plays. And then they had made, and then coming out of the second half, Allrich and the defense just made changes and they worked and they held, they shut out Drake the second half. And it was amazing to watch. Absolutely. That's the, the, the big story for me is the defense. Uh, Rob Orch's guys looked, looked ready to play, uh, from about three minutes into that second quarter. They were, they had their issues to start the game. Uh, they did hold Drake, uh, to, I think negative two yards or something like that on the first drive. The first drive was weird. They, uh, they crushed him pretty good. And then the next two drives, Drake drove down the field. Uh, it was, a little bit concerning. Uh, they put together seventy yard drive and then an eighty one yard drive. Uh, that was uh, it was a blown coverage. It was a about a seventy five yard pass play, and then they just had a little sweep outside. And all of a sudden, it's fourteen seven. And the mood in the dome was a little weird. It felt like holy crap. Uh, yeah, Jack Schneider actually on Twitter uh, quote tweeted one of my tweets with the Rob Schneider gif. Oh no, we suck again. And that was what it felt like for a second. Like this yeah. is a team we saw. It definitely Put felt it, like Bresky defense was back for a second. Absolutely. It was it was a little bit of panic mode of, hey, this team held strong with two Power 5 teams, and then it, they're now trailing to a much lower class team in the second quarter. Uh, but like you said, 
much better from the defense outside of that. They adjusted and and shut the door on Drake. So those first two drives, 70 yards, 81 yards. For anybody that's doing the math on that, that's 151 yards. Idaho held them to just over 50 yards the rest of the game. So the defense absolutely tightened up after after those first couple drives. Uh, could have been you know maybe just a little bit of nerves. Uh, playing first home game for some of these guys, especially first home game uh, with, with Coach Eck. Uh, they changed up the intros, uh, had new videos, had a, a nice blow-up tunnel, like really kind of refreshing Vandal football, it seems. Definitely, um, I think with the refresh stuff, it was way nicer, like game day experience. No more shitty fire extinguishers for the in- entrance. It was, it was nice. The intro video. I'm not going to spoil what was in it, but it was way better than what it had been in the past. Everything just felt newer and exciting, more exciting. I think you mean more exciting. Uh, yep. It was. It was. It was really nice to see Idaho kind of move into a little bit more modern uh, rollout. Uh, it felt a lot more exciting than it it has in the past. Uh, the new lights in the Kibbe Dome also look fantastic. There's no like random changes between orange and white spots. Everything is just unified. Uh, it it just it felt a little bit more professional. Uh, having you know you didn't have Idaho running through the roll up tunnel as it's as it's going up. It was like oh there's actually like a a big blow up that's been customized and has vandal vandal gear everywhere like the lights don't buzz as uh we're posting here on the youtube chats uh it it was it was a really nice change of pace for for that uh felt a little bit more modern a little bit more um not petrino stinky uh it just it it, it, everything has gotten a little bit of a facelift uh which which is really cool to see um so we talked about the the defense. I'm going to say the special teams. I thought were, was what looked the best today. Um, Idaho's special teams. We had had a little bit of concern, uh, especially against Indiana, when uh, Chavez did not look particularly good. But that was also because of the rain. Um, like the we we had hoped it was because the ball was just soaking wet. And that's why some of those punts didn't look great. But uh, the few punts he he'd made. Uh, were, were decent, uh, nothing phenomenal average 37 yards a punt. So not, not anything great there, but I did get one inside the 20, uh, kickoffs, uh, had five touchbacks on eight kickoffs. So Logan Prescott looked pretty good there. Again, Chavez went four for four. Nothing was terribly long. Uh, I believe his long today was 44 yards. So they weren't terribly long field goals, but again, four for four, it's been a while since we've seen somebody do that. And then obviously Jermaine Jackson, completely turned the game on its head with his 79 yard punt return touchdown. So uh, really nice to see special teams dominate this game. That's what you'd hope to see, especially in a football is a game where it's a lot of the second string guys or the contributors on special teams. They, they pummeled Drake, which is what you're supposed to do They're They have no scholarships, so they're going to be, they don't have the depth Idaho does. You want them to go out there and, and steamroll them. So that was really nice to see. So Martin, on the other hand of that, what what didn't go as well today? What what should we be looking at as cause of concern potentially moving forward? Uh, I think maybe one thing the Vandal fans might want to look at is maybe the timing and decision-making Giovanni makes or whoever the quarterback is in the future. Sometimes it just felt like he was a little hesitant wanting to run wanting to on his decision making like there was a sack i want to say was it the third quarter that just like he probably could have stepped up and made through it away or stepped up and threw it to somebody it just felt like there was some inconsistent decision makings 
the other one the uh tv production was absolutely poopy today as well from what i saw from highlights yeah so i'm gonna get into the tv production first just because i know a little bit more about that side uh looking at some of the screenshots i obviously didn't watch it i was there at the game as was martin um the color was completely off but the the interesting thing was the like while the field looked like almost like a brownish green and the 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 colors were all just super washed out it was also on the score bug so it wasn't just the camera that was messed up it was almost like the broadcast from swx itself was wrong um now little insider notes there I know the guy who was the director at SWX. So, you know, he's sitting there with the headset on, like controlling the show. His final day at SWX was yesterday. So it could have just been new, new guy running the show. I'm not entirely positive that that was the issue, but there was definitely something wrong with the broadcast. So apologize uh, or apologies to anybody that ended up watching it on TV. The dome actually looks great. The lights, like the lights really do make a huge difference. You didn't, didn't realize it until it, it's now unified and modern. They don't buzz. They don't, they're not different colored. Like it actually is a phenomenal experience in the dome, but we did hear the TV production was pretty terrible today. Um, as a former SWX employee, I apologize on behalf of SWX for that. Um, but offensively there's, there's one big concern, uh, and Jason Mayer, uh, throwing it into the, the YouTube chat here for anybody listening live injury to Dwyer looked bad. TT in a boot. Hope next man up is ready. So, if anybody didn't know, Torres Trainer did not play today. He had his foot in a walking boot. And then Jordan Dwyer got tackled uh, fairly early on in the game, ended up getting his pads taken off at halftime, was on crutches and had a, like a, it wasn't an air cast, but he had some sort of wrap around his ankle. Hopefully he's fine, but he looked pissed when it happened. He was not happy. Uh, hopefully it's nothing serious. His reaction concerns me a little bit. But uh, to go back to, to Martin's first point, uh, the quarterback play was actually worse than I was expecting it to be. Um, and the, the stats don't tell the full story here. So McCoy went 17 to 23, 190 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions long of just 22. And he did take a, a pretty rough sack there um, in the, I believe it was the third quarter. So McCoy only had six incompletions, but the offense didn't actually gel. If you look at the box score, like, yeah, I'm, uh, 42 to 10. Awesome. But Idaho left a ton of points out on the field. And, and if you get into the nitty gritty numbers, really not a great day for the offense. The offense only went three of 14 on third down, ended up two of those, the drives they scored on, they converted on fourth down. So two or two from fourth down, which was nice, but three of 14 on third down, it, it, it actually, it, it, it was a struggle. This was probably a game Idaho could have, if they had, if they had played a little bit cleaner game, this was probably a game Idaho could have won by 50, maybe 60. This was this could have been a Simon Fraser type of bloodbath, but it just it didn't end up that way. It just wasn't the wasn't the cleanest game, unfortunately, from uh, from just an efficiency and uh, consistency standpoint. Um, so Martin kind of mentioned the the quarterback uh, decision making. We did see Jack Lane in uh, Jack Lane, true freshman walk on. Uh, he was the Oregon Player of the Year again walked on and we thought he was going to play linebacker and here he is apparently the number two quarterback i actually thought he looked better than than mccoy did uh six for eight passing 113 yards with a long of 64 that's also misleading that 64 yard pass was actually just a, a pitch forward to jermaine jackson so it's it's technically just a like a wide receiver sweep but because it's a pitch instead of a handoff it counts as a pass so it was a 64 yard run essentially from uh jermaine jackson there but uh the one thing about lane is it seemed like the offense moved a little bit cleaner. They also ran it consistently. And we'll get into the running game here in just a minute, but lane, 
it felt like Lane was making decisions very quick. Get the ball, scan the field for the open receiver, and let go of it. And he just he stood back there looking, looking like he was very confident in it. For for a true freshman walk on quarterback, I was really impressed by him, Martin. Oh yeah, no, I was I was too. He definitely it definitely felt. I don't want to go back to 2018, 2019 offense, but it definitely felt like if Jason went this route, I wouldn't be concerned with it. But it definitely, he definitely looked the part in somebody that if it wasn't, if it was, if Je- if Giovanni was out or got injured, I would not be, I, I would not be upset or concerned with the offense with Jack in there. It looked the same, if not a little bit better. I'd completely agree. It looked it looked about the same as the offense did before, just maybe a little bit more, a little bit more consistent. So uh, it's fourteen to seven. Lane comes in, uh, which apparently uh, was expected. That was not a hey, we're struggling. McCoy isn't playing particularly well. This was apparently scheduled, uh, and as uh, X said in his post game, uh, I only know this because of. Uh, Jason again mentioning in our Discord hashtag only Tums eh, only Tums. Oof, that's a completely different type of uh, body related thing. Only Tubs, excuse me, Patreon.com backslash Tubs at the club. Uh, Jason Meyer said Eck did say in his post game this was all designed. Giovanni is the starting quarterback. Uh, you know, if that is true, that remains to be seen. But it was designed that that Lane was going to get playing time in this game, so he comes in uh, to start the the first drive of the second quarter. Essentially, um, they. Uh, give it to Jermaine Jackson. He picks up five yards. They immediately fall start. Then from there, Roshan uh, takes a small run. Lane does have an incomplete pass, but then on uh, they go, he's out there for fourth and sixth. Uh, he completes a pass to uh, Connor Whitney. Then he completes one to Jordan Dwyer. They go back to a run to Roshan. Lane throws another incompletion, his only other incompletion of the day. Uh, and then Chuck's one to uh, Elisha Cummings, who got some play today, and then Chavez kicked the field goal, and then from there, Idaho's offense kind of clicked with that first quarter. A little bit of a struggle there. Uh, as we were looking at the box score, Martin's got it up here on, uh, again, uh, Tubbs at the Club's YouTube page. If you're watching live or if you're watching later, thank you for that. If you are listening to us on wherever you find your podcasts, thank you for that as well. Obviously, you're not going to be able to quite see what we're, we're going off here, so I'll read up as much as I can. Uh, Anthony Woods actually led the team in carries with Elisha Cummings. Both of those guys got 11 carries. Woods went 11 for 83. Uh, looked looked fantastic today. Uh, Elisha Cummings got a, a handful of carries. Again, 11 for 35 for him. Did get a touchdown. Uh, he played a lot, I think, just because of the in the second half, a lot of it was the the secondary uh, or the second string. Just not wanting to get guys injured in a game that was a blowout. Uh, Roshan Johnson, seven carries, just 17 yards, but he did punch in a touchdown. Uh, Zach Borish even got in, uh, interestingly enough as the running quarterback, we'd seen that with CJ Jordan in, uh, at Wazoo and then Borish actually came in and took a wildcat snap. So not entirely sure what's going on with that. Uh, who it remains to be seen, I guess, if we're going to keep seeing CJ in that role or if Zach Borish is back into that role. Um, but, uh, give me one second. The, uh, video is covered up. I was reading it off of that. So let me go back over to my screen here. Um, uh, Jermaine Jackson also got a couple carries, uh, and then realistically, the the rest were the were the quarterbacks. So Idaho did put together 177 yards on the ground, uh, 159 if you take out the the sack loss. Uh, pretty good day from the running backs, Martin. What did you think of our of our running game today? It just felt normal. It just it they looked really good. It 
Anthony Woods, I think, is the future. Is it is everything? I I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I didn't expect him. I kind of written him off as like, oh, he's gonna maybe play in two or three games for that red COVID year, and then they'll set him. And then it just what he showed in the WSU and Indiana game. It just looked that much better against Drake. And it is the few. If he's not start, if he's not a starter by the end of the year, then I would be surprised. Yeah, I. If you look back at X offenses historically, they they do seem to have kind of the bell cow running back, uh, Pierre Strong, up now in the NFL with the Patriots, I believe. Uh, one of the best players in the FCS the last few years was the the bell cow for that team. I think Anthony Woods is going to end up being that for Idaho. It might not be this year, especially when you know Roshan is a senior. Not that you you play the senior because he's a senior, but. Roshan has proven over the course of his Vandal career he's a he's a very good running back. So I think you're going to see that a lot. Again, Elisha Cummings got a bunch of play, but I don't know if he's quite in the mix. I think that was more of a – he came in in the second half when the game was put away and got a bunch of time. He looked he looked quite good doing it as well. But uh, running game looked a lot better. Uh, it could also be because, again, Idaho's up against the Pioneer League school, which means they don't have scholarships, which that's where that eats you up the most is the offensive and defensive line. So – Idaho, uh, Idaho revamped their offensive line a little bit. Martin, you, I know, know more about the offensive yeah, line than I it do. It was an interesting combination today. Uh, all, if you were at the game, it definitely showed they definitely played the wrong starting lineup on the screen because Jason Hallbeck and Bo St. John were not starting. Uh, it was uh, like I saw, I think it was Tagana CC, CC, I think it's CC or CC, I can't, CC. He he uh he started and then I think as like Aiden Knapic or something like that. He was also playing and he was a I think he was a walk-on from Richmond, Richland High School, one of those tri-city area schools. And a couple of the other guys played in granted that was more later stuff. It was definitely a mishmash offensive line today, but again, when you're playing scholarship versus non-scholarship, playing someone like Drake and playing those younger guys is better the other thing to note uh eliza sanchez did come out of the game and did not come back in so hopefully it's just uh they played it safe but something to keep a note on for future games yeah so elijah sanchez our starting center uh obviously came out of the game did not return but it is nice to see uh you know cc and napic both getting some some play uh, especially as true freshmen and one of them being a walk-on um, you know, Eck had had told us about that when we interviewed him at the beginning of the year and said, you know, his offensive line at, at South Dakota state that just mauled people. Like some of them were former walk-ons. Some of them played as freshmen. Like it wasn't like it was just a bunch of highly rated recruits. Like he found the right guys, meshed them all together. So this might've been just some of that. Um, it might also be, you know, getting some of those guys playing time and in a game that is probably not going to be lost uh, just to, again build up that depth because you did they lost sanchez like what if sanchez is not going to be able to play for a couple weeks in the big sky like that's that's a huge hit to a, a group that's already probably the most shallow on the team so far just because of the the way that the previous coaching regime brought things together so uh, the other thing we haven't gotten into is the receiving stats uh so again we've talked a lot about jermaine jackson three receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown again had that 64 yard completion that was realistically a run and then mccoy threw an absolute dart to him in the on the to score the first touchdown of the game uh really good output from from jackson one of the fastest dudes you're gonna see at this level uh looked absolutely electric tonight 
Uh, Connor Whitney, six receptions for 70 yards, uh, becoming exactly the tight end we all thought he was going to be in this offense. So just the the safety valve that is good to catch just about anything. Uh, Hayden Hatton came back to life a little bit, four receptions for 68 yards. Uh, nice to see him kind of fully integrating himself back in. Uh, and then Elisha Cummings, four for 28. Michael Graves had an 18-yard catch that was really nice. Jordan Dwyer, again, unfortunately, one catch for 16 yards, and he got hurt, missed the rest of the game. Uh, we'll let you know when we have an update on his injury, but this Eck regime doesn't seem to be speaking a whole bunch about injuries, which, you know, I, I understand and respect. And there's also not a, it's not like there's a whole bunch of people to bother him about those kind of questions. So don't hold your breath on hearing anything about that, but we'll try to get you guys news as much as we can. Uh, Roshan had a couple catches. Dalton uh, Cash had a catch. Anthony Woods had a catch that was taken out on line of scrimmage. He didn't go anywhere, but overall, uh, you know, a whole bunch of guys took, uh, took completions uh, in this game, 23 total catches for 303 yards and a touchdown. Idaho's offense did did put things together towards the end of that game, uh, especially uh, once Drake. Drake started off being able to just run the ball all over Idaho. Uh, Patty Furks jumping into the chat. Drake's O-line was he, – he didn't say fucking, but he's fucking huge is what Patty's trying to get at. Um they were, it was very impressive for a school that doesn't have scholarships. Their offensive line was huge. They were opening up holes. They were constantly getting yards on, on the ground. And then once the game was kind of put away a little bit and they had to throw it a little bit more, didn't go super well for them, but they, they did start off looking decent on the ground. They ended up with just 62 net yards, 92. If you take their sack numbers out of it, um, not, not good numbers from Drake all around, but again, those first two drives, 70 yard drive and the 82 yard drive, they did move the ball well enough uh, at the beginning of the game. So um, we're we're already over 20 minutes in, so we're, let's move forward, Martin. Who was your player of the game from offense today? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. I think I'm going to go with uh, – off- I think I'm going to go with – I might take the obvious one and just go Jermaine Jackson. It, like he looked every he – look, he was looked like the best – player on the field i know he had the one dumb mistake with the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty but it's still he was the best player on the field by far that's uh, that's probably who i would have gone with too uh he he absolutely looked like he was the best player on this field uh the petrino regime talked very heavily about jermaine jackson and how fast he was and how he was going to bring an element to that offense and then we never got to see it because he got hurt in his first game and then it he just he it, Missed the rest of the spring, missed almost all of Petrino's final season, played a little bit there at the very end, but only had a couple catches and was mostly just a, an enigma. And then he's absolutely breaking out. I think he's probably the best receiver on this offense. I know Trez Trainer has not been seen a whole lot, and we also have Hayden Hatton coming back from injury, but Jackson looked incredible again, three receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown, as well as the 79-yard punt return. Uh, absolutely electric, brings a completely different uh, level to this offense. But since you know we're we're not going to sit here and agree, we're going to give you two different players because that's you know tubs at the club. We're going to put that extra mile into our content. So I'm going to go with Anthony Woods as the player of the game. Uh, Eleven carries for 83 yards, long of 32. Anthony Woods, I it, it is so hard to explain what he looks like. It, it's it's so weird. He doesn't look necessarily like he should be as shifty as he is, but he just it's it's hard to bring him down. It, it seems like he misses a tackle on every single run he gets he makes at least one guy miss and it's it is crazy he's as a true freshman i cannot wait to see what he's going to be doing in his third year here because he was 
he was absolutely the lifeblood of the running game. Uh, I'm still hoping that you know Roshan gets up to what we've expected out of him over his last few years. Uh, and if Elisha Cummings or whoever ends up being behind him, Andre Carter, or whoever it is, hopefully they, you know, they continue to contribute if they get opportunities. But Anthony Woods right now looks like the best running back on this team. So uh, moving forward, uh, player of the game on special teams. I am going to uh, blow us right through that one because that is Jermaine Jackson. The punt return was like the point of the game. Like, so I'm going to take back all those things I said about giving you guys all this extra content and making sure that we talk about multiple guys. The player of the game on special teams was Jermaine Jackson, and I don't think Martin would fight me on that. So let's go to defense. Martin, who is your player of the game on the defense? I I was going to say there was two interceptions today, right? I know the stats doesn't say one of them, but I definitely think there was two of them. Uh, so we're kind of producing live right now. I know it definitely felt like there was – there was definitely might have been something there, but I'm I'm gonna say uh, I'm just gonna go with the obvious. I'm gonna go with the other obvious choice and go with uh, Favai Favai again. Just having just having him on the field is just he was making plays in the backfield and stuff, and anything Drake tried to pull out wide, he was snuffing it out. And I'm gonna go with another linebacker. I thought Paul Moala made a huge impact today. Uh, Favai Favai was everywhere as was Moala. It's typical as I, uh, you know, typical of Idaho's linebackers. They were just everywhere. Patty Ferks jumping into the chat. Yes. Moala had one. That's what I was thinking. And then as we're scrolling through it, the only one that was listed was Mervin Kenyon's interception. So Martin, I think you are right. There were two interceptions and the stats are off. Um, unless maybe the Moala one got taken off, but Paul Moala was all over the place as well. I think you could, you could probably realistically go with any of the linebackers at this point and say that they're a player of the game. Uh, Sully Shannon had a great game. Uh, he had six tackles tonight. So the, the linebacking core is again, the strength of Idaho's defense, uh, you know, like, like you'd expect. Uh, so pretty easy to go with that there. Um, we're, we are getting close to the half hour mark and we we try to keep these a little bit shorter. So, uh, we have a couple more things to, to discuss, but first let me tell you a little bit about Hughes river expeditions. I'm sorry. I thought I had the ad read up that I bombed the hell out of that. Whew, okay, here we go. Call and pretend none of that ever happened. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and you can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine bitches. Yes, I did say bitches. Run amazing whitewater hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the, hus- the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. You just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882, or check them out at HughesRiver.com. So Martin, we've kind of broke down a you know a lot of the the stats and the numbers about this game, but I want to get into emotion with you. How do you feel about this Vandal team now? Immediately after Coach X's very first win, how do you feel about this team now than you did even a week ago? I feel good, but at the same time, it still didn't feel like a wire to wire complete game from them. It still kind of felt like 
they only played two halves or three quarters of a game really and didn't put a full game together. And that is still like the one thing I would want to see out of them. That'd be like my one nitpicky thing from this game, even coming out of a win, but still it felt it definitely, they definitely need to still put two halves together for me to feel like really good. We have been saying more excited than I am already. I, I agree. Um, I think the way I would phrase this is I am less excited about the future of this team and the, the, the record at the end of this year after this win that they won by almost 30 points than I was in the losses against Wazoo in Indiana. Uh, well, against Wazoo in Indiana, it looked like, okay, hey, there's obviously some some difficulties. Like They lost both games like you would expect to Power 5 schools, but there's there's some things that just could be cleaned up and then, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing and they're going to roll through the big sky. And then it, it's, it was tough to see they came out and didn't look great against Drake. And, and a lot of those things were were still struggling. You know, we talked about the the third downs and going just three conversions on third down all game. That's not going to get it done against like the Montana type schools. You, you are going to have to be converting at, at much closer to a 50 or even higher percentage than than going three for 14. Uh, Idaho also penalties were a problem again. Drake only had one penalty today. Idaho had 10 for 85 yards and some of them were backbreakers. Some of them were kill the drive before it even gets started because of that, that personal foul. So that, that was really, really tough to see, but on spin zone, uh, Jason Mayer jumping into the comments adjustments after Q1 were needed. And and we got to see those. That is the thing as, as poor as some of the stuff was in the first quarter where, Drives weren't being sustained. Drake was just running all over. The again, the penalties were were hurting drives. Things did pick up after that that first quarter, and then shortly into the second. For two and a half quarters, Idaho pounded Drake the way that you would expect to see them, and so that's that's what you have to hope for at this point moving forward is that we're going to see that. Uh, but it, it does make me a little bit nervous that the things we hoped would get cleaned up and it was just, Hey, you're playing on power five schools on the road, maybe at home against opponents closer to your caliber. Maybe you're going to clean that up. Still a work in progress there. So Martin, I know before the season started, we were talking about, you know, Idaho looked like a four to five win team, maybe six on a good day. Are you still kind of feeling that? I know I'm not trying to get into too much future projection, but you still feeling pretty good about, like we think that the team is going to be better than we thought they would be at the start of the year. I still think so. I definitely, maybe I'm a little, there's a little more pause for concern in those games that maybe I pause for thought I should say about like when there is the, the games that maybe I was, there were 50, 50 that I leaned Idaho. It might be more a true 50, 50 say Sac state or UC Davis. than I was thinking before it's de- it. That's where I'm kind of at with things right now. I think I've only got one other thing I want to bring up, uh, and it's not necessarily about how Idaho played on the football field. So, Martin, I'm going to give you one last chance. Is there anything else about this game that you think we need to to speak about? Anything we missed? Anything you wanted to get off your chest? I guess the other, just the big thing that I wanted just to point out was just it was another game where Idaho is still positive in the turnover differential, and that is something that hasn't been. I don't think it's it's been a long time since Idaho has been able to. Idaho fans have been able to see that happen, and it is a big step forward with how things have been in the past. 
Yeah, guys, you need to you need to get your asses to Moscow to watch this team uh, because Rob Orich is not going to be here for very long. Uh, even in a in a a rough first quarter, like Martin said, this team won the turnover battle yet again. Uh, this is not something we've seen from Idaho in quite some time, honestly, since Bresky was brought in. We did not see that so much. Uh, the Big Sky is a really good conference, and this is going to – Idaho's going to have losses. They're probably going to have a game that they're going to win that they shouldn't win, like the like the Montana game. There's going to be like, like some sort of upset like that. Realistically, they're probably going to lose a game that they shouldn't, like you know maybe NAU next week or Portland State in a couple weeks. Like, there's going to be some growing pains here. This is not a team that's going to just roll through and lose maybe one game on the way to, to a buy in the playoffs. We're not there yet. But – you can you can absolutely see in the fact that this defense is mostly the same guys from last year, and they went from being complete dog shit to yeah. And yes, today was against a, a lower quality opponent, but the the defense has looked very good against two Power Five schools and then a, a fellow FCS school. This is this is a guy who's probably going to end up getting a head coaching job. Rob Orch's personality is incredible, so he's he's probably primed to be a a, a head coach somewhere. Uh, but get here, guys. Get here and see this. This is this is absolutely the making of of a new era of Vandal football. So, uh, speaking of eras of Vandal football, the one thing I did want to bring up today: uh, Idaho in, inducted Ray McDonald, former running back, into the you know, the Wall of Honor. Had his number number thirty two retired. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know too much about Ray McDonald, he played here in the sixties. He was actually a first round draft pick in in the nineteen sixty seven NFL draft. He's also very well known for being, uh, he was both black and homosexual. And, and those are not things that you see a whole lot out of football players in the 60s. So uh, they played a video for him. He's he unfortunately passed many, many years ago. We're talking 30 years ago. Uh, but we they did do a, a, a very nice, uh, very nicely done presentation. Uh, you can see on the screen here, Martin's got the, the honoring Ray McDonald. Uh, Martin, would you just scroll down through that for us? Just let's see if there's uh, too much more of the, the read out there. Um, they uh, they have some nice quotes about him. Uh, his name was uh, his nickname was Thunder Ray. He was 6'4", 240, uh, and ran a hundred yard dash in under ten seconds. Um, he was a two time All American here at Idaho. It had twenty nine hundred yards and thirty nine touchdowns in his career. Uh, led the NCAA in nineteen sixty six with thirteen twenty nine. Uh, and he has a school record of 132 nine yards a game in 1966, which nobody's ever going to come anywhere near again, uh, just in, in the era of passing the ball. That's never going to happen again. So uh, he also started for the Vandal Field and Track team, uh, was a hurdler, also did some throws, uh, won some Big Sky titles, and was an All-American in the shot put and discus. Uh, President Green uh, had an incredible quote about him. Uh, you can go read it online in the uh, uh, in the article, but it says, I remember the big picture of Ray hanging in the entrance of Memorial Gym when I was a kid, following my grandfather around this campus during his time as the athletic director, and Ray seemed larger than life. I can't think of anyone more deserving of having his number forever memorialized at our university. So it was super cool to see that. Um, another really cool thing they're going to do that they, they kind of mention it offhand at the bottom of the article. If you end up going online and reading it, uh, Martin posted it into the YouTube thread. Other jersey numbers that have been previously retired are going to get kind of reintroduced in a phased approach. They're, uh, Michael Noyle uh, is wearing the number 32 uh, this season, so he's got a patch for McDonald's name in the years he played at Idaho. So it's kind of cool that you know the the retiring the number isn't really retiring the number, especially in college when you, you really can't. There's just so many guys on the team. You have guys like doubling up numbers. like it. You can't really retire it. So 
to see the the number honored and then that they're going to put a patch on the guys super cool i'm expecting we're going to see some of the you know the yarno the kramer the like we're going to see those guys that whose numbers are still in use we're going to see those patches uh, get put out and i'm guessing we're going to get little video things and and really honor vandal football history um in the time that we're also like building towards the future so really cool to see that tonight really really cool time to be at the game uh if you were on the fence about coming to this game because it was drake and who knows what drake is unless you're like crazy into track and you know the drake relays uh you forget about all that i know that this was an 0-2 team i know that they were playing a nobody forget that shit get down to moscow this is, this is, you guys are, for the longtime listeners, you all know that I'm the most negative person you probably listen to. For the newer listeners, you might not hear that as much because of the excitement around this program, but I have long been a sourpuss, and this is not the time to be a sourpuss. This team is legit. They are going to walk over a handful of different big sky schools. They're going to be competitive in, I would assume, every single game, including the Montana games that I know are historically blowouts over the, the since the time they've dropped back down to the FCS. But guys, this is this is happening. You need to get in there. Student section was electric tonight. Didn't have a, as great of a crowd turnout as you'd hope. Hopefully that will only continue to grow as the, the stink of Petrino gets washed away from this program. But uh, Jack mentioned it in the, in the comments. Come to the Dome, you get a light show too. Again, they did upgrade the lights. So all of the, the pageantry of college football, which a lot of people are really like really love and appreciate about this sport, Idaho is, is trying to do a better job of moving that forward. Uh, Jason Mayer jumping into the comments. Tailgating was on point today. Come join the fun. And then Martin just dropping the hammer here. No more PP smell. And that's, I think, something we can all hope for. Again, hashtag only tubs. Martin, any last thoughts before we move on? Nope. Buy your tickets for homecoming next home game. Just come out and support the team. Come out and play. hopefully hope make that one a sellout. It's homecoming. Just come out and support this team. It is a lot of fun. Exactly. Idaho goes on the road this week. Uh, I believe it's NAU. I don't have that off the yep, top it of is my at brain. NAU, and there might be a tubs at, tubs at the club on location. We don't know yet. Ooh, producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra teasing the people for now. We will be back on Tuesday. I believe Professor Brian is going to be back with us. Uh, we should be doing a, a full breakdown of NAU and what to expect. Uh, NAU has a has an, a pretty big win on their schedule, so they're a little bit better than than people thought next uh, that they, they were going to be this year. So next week we're going to get into that and again pick the whole big sky for you. Let you know everything you need to know about this NAU game before again Idaho goes on the road to whatever the hell they call their piece of shit dome. Uh, nobody cares. It's Kibby Dome for life. With that said, thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, uh, either watching it live or uh, watching it on replay later. If you're listening to us on anywhere you get your podcasts, thank you. If we're not where you want to get your podcasts, let us know. I can fix that. We can get our podcasts uploaded to wherever the hell you guys need it. With that said, way to go, Jason. I got the game ball today from athletic director Terry Golick in his very first win as the Idaho football head coach. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Jesus Christ. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.